Since I started this YouTube project, I've been confronted many times with the question as to how one can become Polish, a question that's very difficult and dynamic to answer. However, in a three-part series with my good friends from Your Roots in Poland, we will analyze the process that one may undertake in, in becoming Polish, starting, of course, with genealogy. Joining us is my dear friend Kinga Urbanski, who is a professional genealogist, I suppose it's called. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we've we've been working together on a project for some time now, made some progress, and I think there will be yeah. a much bigger film here on Cult America about it. But Kinga, today I would like to share with our viewers your perspective on what it takes to become Polish, starting with the groundwork of genealogy. For a little bit of background, can you share with our viewers wh where you're from, how you came into this field? Mm -hmm. So, hi, hi, Ryan. Thank you very much for inviting me over. Uh, yeah, I'm a historian. I'm archivist. And at some point of my uh, university uh, history, uh, we figure out that there is a huge need com considering uh, how many people uh, emigrated from Poland? There is a huge need to for them to uncover their history, and in this in this specific in the circumstances, Polish history. Yeah. So uh, this is how the business started. This is how the years in Poland started. So uh, so the main aim was and still is to help people rediscover their Polish uh, history. Uh, and uh, this is and this is this is basically uh, what we do every day. Uh, we are uh, looking for information, we are looking for the documentation, we are doing the genealogy trees, um, and we connect all these stories together. Wonderful. Kinga is an absolute rock star. She's very humble. In fact, um, she's known in Poland for hosting her own television show. So just to put a little emphasis, if you're looking to rediscover your Polish roots, this is the person to talk to. And I'm uh, so lucky uh, to have had the pleasure. Um, my case was a little bit different, obviously, because my mother started the genealogy project. You saw all the documents that she could collected before the times uh, of the Internet. But where would you tell people to start now? Because everything's changed. Yeah, everything is changing, basically. But there are some uh, particular uh, ways of how to start it, which will never change, because actually you're starting from yourself. So basically, it's very good at the very beginning to gather all the information that you have uh, in your memory, uh, in the memory of your close ones, in your, the memory of your whole family, basically, because anyone, everyone can know something differently, can, anyone can know something more. Then you're exploring, exploring your own family archive, because yes, all of you have your family archives, even, even if you didn't know that before, now you know it. So basically all the documents that may be related with your family history, so metrical records, birth, marriages, deaths, emigration records, um, uh, school records that may help us get this initial information to start the whole adventure. 
And of course, uh, photos, if you're lucky enough, you'll get the, for example, the diaries or maybe the postcards that will also bring you more uh, um, necessary uh, details to start with. So this is how you start. Then, of course, um, you gather all that. Uh, it, is, it is the best to put that in one uh, sort of a genealogical program or family tree to to make it easy to navigate with that information. Having all that, you can use the internet sources. You can use, there are so many websites nowadays. There are so many Polish genealogy websites also available in English that you can explore and you can uh, get the documents, get the index information because the process of indexing and digitalization of the records is really developing in Poland. And there are many, many organizations and volunteers involved in, the, in that pro process. So you'll definitely find something. So after you will explore all the online sources, of course, you can go to the archives. And <laughs> this is, I think- <laughs> We did it, didn't we? <laughs> yeah quite a few ones actually <laughs> yeah well uh i i spent um i think a part of a day with you in the archive in krakow which was a very interesting experience because it's like looking for a needle in a haystack i mean you kind of request all of the documents that you believe maybe could possibly contain something about the person of interest and then you literally just read through it. Many of these documents are in Latin. Many of these documents are written in uh, cursive. Well, all of them are in cursive, of course, and very difficult to read. What is that process like for you? And how does it feel when you make a discovery? Yeah, so uh, basically, uh, first of all, uh, uh, regardless of the fact that there are so many sources that are being uh, available online nowadays, the best for the historian or the archivist that you can get is from the actual physical documentation. It's like a time travel. When you're touching this uh, document, the, 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 the texture is different, even the smell, yeah? I don't know if it's really good for your health, <laughs> no? But still, this is an amazing experience, yeah? So, um, yeah, so uh, being in the archive gives you the possibility to uh, get through these documents, to get these experience. And, uh, and, but of course, before you do it, you have to get to know how the archives are operating, yeah? And especially within the Polish archival, state archival system, which is quite easy and people are basically very supportive on how to do that. Uh, but there are also some uh, areas where you have to get a little bit of experience to so that will be really easy because as you mentioned, Polish history, is, especially from the 19th century perspective, is a really uh, complex one. So you will probably have to read documents in of also Latin and German and then in Russian. And if you know the historical circumstances, you know also how to navigate through these uh, documents. Yeah. Plus our, as you know exactly, now our, our ancestors were very, very, um, very active. They were moving a lot. They were emigrating. They were changing their jobs. They were changing places uh, where they were been living. So. Uh, knowing this historical background is also uh, a huge help while you're going through the actual research. Yeah, for sure. Just backpedaling a little bit to um, reemphasize why it's important that you gather these family stories. Uh, you may recall uh, my own grandmother that immigrated to the United States. You helped me read some of the very difficult 
to decipher Polish on the back of one of their photographs, one of the few photographs that we have. And the translation was something like, the sun was shining in the children's eyes, right? And when you read that, it made no sense to us. It seemed very strange. But after interviewing my mother and some people around her, we were reminded that there was a period in time that the Polish immigrants in my family lived in Bisbee, Arizona. So it helped to connect the dots, absolutely. When it comes to searching in the archive, uh, another kind of mystery I'm looking to unravel is, uh, of course, uh, my grandmother was said to have her tonsils removed, remember? And that was an operation that would have happened in what at the time was Galicia, I guess. And um, I'm curious, like using that as a case study, where would we find such documents? How would we go about actually proving that this operation happened definitively? Uh, but this operation uh, ha actually took place in uh, states, yeah? No, 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 no. In on this Poland? Idea. Yes, in Poland. Galicia. It so must like have been Galicia, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, of course. So you would like to get the documentation or her treatment, like a proper medical treatment? Just using this as a case study, if we were to try and prove that that operation happened, Right, because it might help us decipher that my grandmother's documents in the states were correct. Great grandmother, I should clarify. How would we? How would we find? I mean, it seems like a very random thing. If there is documentation, how would you find it? So yeah, so you can take it two ways actually. So uh, you can use the actual physical sources of the documentation. Uh, it's likely possible that that sort of documentation have uh, had endured to our times that you would find it in the state archives but of course and obviously if such would exist i would go for the state archive as a first place uh, or see and check what sort of hospitals or places that this treatment could take place where the oldest and remembers the time when your great grandmother used to live there and contact with them if they ever created a sort of an archive for uh, the documentation that way they were producing yeah so are they the state archive like a local state archive so Novitark, or uh, the local archive at the institution where uh, this documentation was produced yeah so this is one option uh, but the second option is our memory yeah so our yeah. our head archive so basically um uh, it's good to ask the family. Uh, it's good to uh, ask about all these circumstances. All, uh, so that's, that's, that's the other thing, yes. Of course, these stories not necessarily, people cannot may not really remember them, although it do, does happen that they remember. Uh, all, one more document that I'm thinking about is, for example, the immigration documents, when they've been really... Uh, uh, examine like people who are coming to United States, especially like through uh, Ellis Island, like your great grandmother. Yeah, they have mm -hmm. been examining very uh, in in great detail. Yeah, so that sort of treatment could have been even entered that into that documentation. Yeah, so either U.S. documentation, uh, local institutions that could have produced these documents, or state archives if that endured, or the memory of as I mentioned. Can you share with me some of the more interesting documents that you've discovered in an archive uh, in your research process for your clients? Yeah, there were many. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but one of the most 
uh, on one hand uh, exciting uh, but also quite disturbing documents that I've uh, had a chance to look through uh, are the documents connected with the Second World War basically. There is this huge center of uh, Bad Arolsen uh, that is documenting the um, all the activities that were taken by Second World War Germany and Nazis, basically. So all the victims and survivors documentation, yeah. And so it includes, uh, among others, the documentation from the uh, displaced persons camps. And for example, again, when the person was entering that uh, camp, uh, they were going undergoing a medical care, but also the medical examination. And for example, you can find among this documentation X-rays from the Second World War, like X-rays of of their lungs, for example, because that was very like if you had like pneumonia or something like that, it was possible like a lung inflammation that they you would not be let in, into the camp because you may let other people you know uh, infected as well. Yeah, so this is like you're getting the the, the documents about the person like personal data, basic personal data like names, surnames, dates, places all the camps that they went through, what was their war history, but also the full uh, medical examination, like, uh, you know, um, as uh, like the, the pre previous subject that we had, yeah, uh, including the x-rays, which is like, yeah, that's that's like, you know, creating the whole Arab story for, and uh, looking at this person from a, a different angle as well. well do, do I understand correctly that um, German Nazi physicians were x-raying uh, people that were sent to concentration camps to, to, to check whether or not their health permitted them to enter? No, 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 no. That was after the war. Displaced people's okay, camp. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I, mis I, I misunderstood completely. Mm -hmm. So the displaced people's camp, who was in charge of that? Who was the authority? Uh, Americans. Americans okay. are, 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 are allies. So, so, so basically Americans and the Germans, but uh, uh, who and the Russians, of course. Yeah. who uh, 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 took down the uh, German um, uh, German uh, uh, occupation, basically. Sure. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, no, that uh, was and, for good. Yeah, these x-rays were being done for the good reasons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, it's incredible that you've come across documentation like that. What about photographs? Where can we find photographs of our Polish ancestors? In most of the cases, we're finding them in our family archives, yeah. And sometimes it's incredible, and I really uh, encourage you to do that uh, to look not not just through your archives, but it may happen that your auntie or your uh, uncle may have some hidden albums, or even there's some some of the photos can be found within uh, books or or uh, other uh, pieces of documentation creation like that. So uh, this is a really amazing on one hand. On the other hand, of course, there are many uh, document that photos, photographs that can be still found in the archives. This is like not very uh, uh, not very common situation that uh, comparing to the family archives like uh, or for example um, uh, the archives that are being uh, created by the local societies is less definitely but still especially as for the administration documentation when they were issuing passports or uh, visas or um, IDs of course if 
for example, somebody did, if a particular person didn't uh, take their uh, identification document for any reason, it stayed in the within the office, and you can find it with, within such documentation units. Yeah, or for example, uh, the documents related with our school, uh, with the education, basically. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. uh, if, if that was a rule as for the 19th century, late 19th century and early 20th century, that your final high school uh, certificate also included a portrait of, of the person who graduated. Okay. So I think um, I can deduce your process to uh, first speaking to the family, second hitting the archive, third uh, contacting your roots in Poland so that uh, a professional can actually bring you some project, some pro process, progress to the process. But uh, now I want to discuss a little bit about what it actually means um, to be Polish. How was that verified through genealogy? One of the strangest things um, that became apparent to me working with you guys uh, are just how often the borders changed here in Poland. So when using my own ancestors as a case study, and it's, it's very similar to millions of other people, they left on passports of the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. In fact, I believe in their lifetime, they didn't know a Polish Republic to have existed. And so therefore, they were living in a completely different reality, which makes me beg the question, right? Um, am I an ancestor of uh, Poles or, you know, as the documents would say, Austrians that immigrated, Austrians from Novi Targ that immigrated to the United States? Uh, so, um, uh, just to begin, because this is a huge subject, but basically this is about the nationality, but also about the identity. Um, so, uh, like, my first question was, what, like, when they were, uh, when your great-grandmother was entering the um, uh, United States uh, on the ship manifest or on the lists, uh, she had to state of what nationality is she, yeah? Because there was a different column for the country and there was a different co column for the nationality, yeah? So, um, so this is what I'm saying. Like, uh, there are many cases like people are coming from uh, from being Polish, but stating that they're coming, as you said, from Hungary or Austro-Hungary or Russia or Prussia or Germany, yeah, because there was no state of Poland for 123 years, so through the, all the partitions time, and. Uh, this is basically a very, also very psychological, but also historical question. Yeah, so uh, 19th century was the time when the, all the nationalisms, the identity, like a, a national identity, was being created. Like that was in the process. So uh, m most, most probably, when you've been, you, if you would ask like a regular simple farmer in Galicia back in I don't know 1830s or 1840s who you are and where you from where, where you from yeah he, and he would uh, simply answer like i'm from here i'm not polish i'm not ruthenian i'm not german i'm from here i belong here but then of course the whole process the na na nationalizing processes and uh, building the national identity happened so the we can see through the Polish history through the literature uh, culture uh, from that point of view because 
even though there was no state of Poland, like Poland was erased from the map, world maps, still uh, our our um, our soul, like a Polish national soul, uh, endured. Yeah, uh, and we can see that in our culture, especially in the, our culture uh, history that was being passed over gener- generations. Yeah, so they felt really. Polish, yeah, they were using the language, even though in many cases it was forbidden. There was a uh, secret schools happening, yeah. So they will still like cherish and passing. So people were still cherishing and passing uh, Polish culture, language, history, so on and so forth, yeah. The, our country history is very long and very complex, and uh, it could have been not forgotten or erased by the three occupants and the divisions time just like that so so most definitely uh, those people within the partition wouldn't call themselves austrian or wouldn't call themselves russians or um, germans or prussians yeah of course this is my perspective but you would have to probably ask your great grandmother but as far as i remember she spoke polish yeah yeah of course of course and you know the family folklore has it that they were patriots of their culture. Um, exactly. And that's a big part of the reason, Kinga, when I became a Polish citizen, it took me 10 years to, to man up and do it, but I, I ultimately renounced my U.S. citizenship. And it was kind of a gesture of completing the circle, coming back to my roots and um, and, and really owning that notion. Um, but... <laughs> At the risk of uh, contrasting my gesture, I still haven't quite established what it really means to be Polish because of all these factors. You know what I mean? Like for the sense of my family, I could say what it means, but I've been making videos about Polish culture, Polish heritage and celebrating Poland uh, for so long now that, of course, there's been interactions with people who rise some really, really difficult to answer questions about it. For example, I was walking on Nowy Świat in, in Warsaw, outside of Bristol Hotel, uh, an American man of Asian descent. He moved to Poland because he was watching Colts America videos. He, he came out of nowhere and that, he announced that. And I thought, wow, this guy's crazy. Yeah. That was my first thought, like, what kind of a maniac? But after digesting it, it, it as someone who's kind of become Polish, I was humbled and I, and I was like honored that he would move here and be a part of it. He loved what Poland uh, is all about. So what I'm trying to place here is like, who's really Polish? Because if this man I mentioned uh, becomes a Polish citizen, learns the language, pays taxes, right? Contributes to society. I think it's fair to say that that he's become uh, Polish. In the previous interview, my friend uh, Os from Iraq came as a refugee and he speaks Polish with his son you know, and uh, so I, I, for me, it's hard to say that he, that he isn't Polish. So from the perspective of a genealogist, like knowing what you know historically, but also with like in modern context, who would you say is Polish? Uh, as, you, as you mentioned, this is a really complex and um, but also very interesting question, yeah? So from from my nowadays perspective, not necessarily being genealogist or historian, I would say 
if you feel Polish, then you're Polish. Because I had this really funny, uh, interesting uh, situation in my life just lately, not about being Polish, but being Krakowian. <laughs> I think it's quite similar because I I uh, I, I was not born in Kraków, uh, South Poland, but uh, I moved here like 20 years ago. And uh, I'll, just I'll let me interrupt like, you. I have it on good authority from real Krakowians that you need three generations. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Go, but go on, go on, go on. Yeah, but still, but still. So so I was like I was trying to find my place uh, in world, and I had uh, after many many years in Krakow, I felt like okay, I was not born here. I was not. I am not three generations back from Krakow, but I still like this is my home, and I'm Krakowian, finally. Yeah. And uh, but I didn't have any really good way of how to prove it or confirm it. So uh, I came across really nice Krakowian author, authors um, who are uh, who are uh, writing many articles and books about Krakow. They are like Krakow lovers, Krakowers, so to be so called. And I asked them like, can you please tell me if after twenty years I can call myself Krakow girl, like Krakow proper Krakowian? And the author was like, how do you feel? Like, yeah, I feel like I'm being Krakowian. And what do you choose? Are you choosing to be Krakowian or, I don't know, Warsawian or that I'm, I'm choosing Krakowian? And he was like, yeah, and he and this is the answer. You've chosen to be a Krakowian and you're more Krakowian than I am, even though he's like 10 generations back Krakowian. Yes, so yes. maybe that's the answer, you know? You know what? It's so well stated because this is an ability that immigrants have. Right. I mean, if immigrants who love the country that they moved to because they had to earn it, they had to earn their place there. And more and more, I've been thinking that like our identity should be f fixated on the present. Right. Not necessarily even where our ancestors are from. That's so important. But what you contribute to where you make your life and where you leave, leave um, your legacy, of course. And uh, your, your Krakow story is wonderful. However, I know people who would just just disregard like she is not know. a true Krakowian. It has to be three generations and you have to be a doctor from Jagiellonen. <laughs> you know, that's what they say. <laughs> I know these people. I lived in Krakow for years. Uh, I love it. But there's uh, there are some thresholds you have to have to pass through, of course, to to be a part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, my daughter was born there. And so we have this oh. internal joke that Zoe, she was born in Warsaw. Zuzu was born in Krakow. So we have like that's going to be eternal fights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, my story, people have told me, is maybe a, a little bit unusual that I moved back to the mother country. But I'm curious because you've worked with hundreds, maybe even thousands of people exploring their roots. Have you come across others who came back to the motherland to become a part of it? Uh not too many to be honest like uh mostly the the people that i'm working with uh they're still uh like working and living in uh, usa like most of them actually because one of the biggest uh, polish diaspora or emigration like almost correct me if i'm wrong but i think almost 21 million people of polish uh, descent living in america nowadays yeah having polish ancestry so yeah most of my clients uh, are still living and working in the usa but more and more are coming uh, and trying to uh, prepare themselves for the uh, retirement mm -hmm. uh, for example um 
and so this is why they are also uh, within our help they're trying to get polish citizenship through their descent of course which is not okay. all ob obvious sure. uh, and it's and not, it's not like you always when you have polish uh, ancestry you can get polish slash european citizenship but still this is one of the options yeah but um yeah, there are some of course who came back and they're they're settled here um uh, but most of the ones that I know are in the process of moving. Sure. Well, uh, I, I hope that they come here. I, I hope that they discover um, maybe a slower life than they knew in the States. And uh, many of the things that I've come to really, really appreciate about Poland. But it's a double-edged sword in a sense because um, sometimes people could come here with an illusion of what Poland might be and then try to transform it into what it was that they were leaving behind. And this this is one of those things that I think, uh, especially in, in the beginning when I lived in Poland, frightened me. You know, uh, as an immigrant, I myself, I can really appreciate many factors of life in Poland that are obvious to Polish people or that Polish people actually flat out dislike. Um, and so it's like, a, it's, it's a funny thing what Polish people see as progress sometimes I feel is uh, actually not good for the country. And that's another really, I think, difficult question to answer when it comes to immigrants, you know, changing the country. In my case, if I were to vote in a way that would, let's say, hold the country back from, from progressing, you know, that could make Polish people, I think, feel a little... Um, a little uncomfortable. So it gets it gets really very complicated from every level. But I think your example of being a Krakowian really did put it into perspective. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. And as far as I understand, this was kind of a bastion of Polish culture, like as much as there could be a bastion for the time, right? Yeah. Because you were allowed yeah. to speak the, the language. Uh, what was it like in the other partitions? So, yeah, so like uh, during the, uh, through the whole 19th century, uh, the nationalistic and the uh, moves for independence were progressing as well. We know, we know the January uprising and before the November uprising as well in 1830s. So, uh, yeah, so people were trying to fight for their freedom. We know the person of Kościuszko, yeah? Tadeusz Kościuszko, who was also like believing in a dream of people become of Poland become independent again. But the more uh, Pol Polish nation was trying to find their way to the freedom, uh, the more obstacle they were facing. Yeah. So, for example, even within the genealogy example, so after the January uh, uprising of uh, 1863, uh, Polish language, like in the writing, was completely forbidden. So I can see that in the general genealogical, in the metrical records, especially, yeah. So uh, in ninety uh, in eighteen sixty two, when I'm reading through ra ra Russian partition, uh, Russian uh, part of Polish partitions uh, documentation, I am reading them in Polish. But then two years from later, they are in Russian, yeah. So uh, okay. Polish was forbidden. Uh, Polish, uh, not just the language, but as I mentioned before, uh, being taught about culture, about the uh, history, uh, they really thought like the, this is like amazing from nowadays perspective. Like so, the um, so the empires that uh, 
torn, fallen apart, really thought that they can, you know, unroot our identity, our history that took over thousand years uh, just like that and so we will all forget about it yeah so uh yeah but it didn't happen eventually of course but the of course the general uh, general uh, ways the politics were getting stronger and stronger against polish uh, nation uh, in every uh, partition basically there's a saying that pressure creates diamonds so yeah, you know, maybe that's maybe that was the outcome. We have an interesting comment. I don't know if you can see that on the screen here from uh, Jarek. He said he was told by an immigration lawyer from Poland that he would not qualify for Polish citizenship because uh, four of his great grandparents, although Polish, were from Prussia and okay. uh, the Russian partitions. Now, we're, uh, Jarek, we're going to do an episode fully dedicated. Uh, to how one can obtain citizenship via Polish heritage. That's going to be with Kinga's team member. But I, I wonder what your thoughts are on this, Kinga, because it feels maybe a little bit unfair. Yeah. So, yeah, Jarek is right uh, and he's correct because, unfortunate, unfortunately, how the Polish law, uh, the citizenship law is constru constructed. So you can apply for the citizenship uh, if you prove that your ancestors lived uh, within the independent country already. So they lived here after 1918, yeah, when Polish gained uh, its independent independence back. Yeah, so so that that's the thing. Uh, although there are other circumstances and there is a lot of documentation that can support uh, because you know there are rules, but there are of course um, there 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 it's in the end it's up to the presidential office if you will get the citizenship or not. Yeah. So, uh, but about these exceptions and how to do it, even though you don't have a like a proper after nineteen and eighteen Polish ancestry connected with the Polish soil uh, physically. Uh, this is something that Michal will, my, my colleague, uh, will yeah. uh, explain everything about it. Yeah. So I, I think it would be best for Jarek to get in touch with your office, for example, uh, to see yeah. about his case. But it's nice to know that you can make a case despite uh, yeah. like different circumstances. And I could see where the Polish government comes from, of course, because there's a lot of people who could claim citizenship to a lot of places based on uh, changing borders. And so they have to draw the line somewhere, but it does feel kind of unfair, especially since if, if I saw correctly here, I think the guy actually lives in Poland. So um, yeah, he's currently renting an apartment mm -hmm. in uh, Krotoshin. Where is that actually? Krotoshin? Yeah. Normally, I'm very good. You know, I also had a TV show, 150 Cities, but I don't know Kratoshin. <laughs> I don't remember. Say. Yarek, can you, if he's still watching us, can you tell us where Kratoshin is? Yeah, like, yeah. Is? I we don't remember. Put... I think it's a city. That That's a, definitely a city, but I don't yeah. remember what yeah. uh, province is that. We have a, an interesting message uh, from Nick here. Nick is watching from Gdańsk, I guess. Mm -hmm. I was born in America to Lithuanian... German parents. Mm -hmm. um, so he has Lithuanian citizenship. And I can avoid the Polish authorities. Well, I, I don't know. I would make the argument that Lithuanian citizenship isn't quite what Polish citizenship is, but I'm biased. 
RNI. And uh, well, this is a very interesting, <laughs> yeah, but that's a really interesting comment actually because you see, like uh, the ancestors came from Lithuania, but they were German, yeah. which, which is again when you like. There were some part of Lithuania that used to be of Polish soil before the Second World War or before the Second World War ends, as well as Ukraine, as well as Belarus. So, uh, so it, like asking about the Pole, like if, if there were people who were living within the borders, which are now Lithuania and had Polish surnames, like, for example, Lviv, yeah, Ukraine, yeah. that was such a Galician Polish country. Uh, so basically, again, how you feel, what your ancestry is, what your ancestors' uh, culture uh, and historical uh, focus was, uh, it all depends, yeah? But still, uh, again, it also shows uh, that, that the, this, uh, this, this guest of ours, um, uh, uh, ancestors were of German origin, which also shows the multiculturalism of uh, a Polish state, yeah? Not really, not just a Polish state, but of course... We have to have our basically what my so so my what I intend to say. We have to have our hand head open. Yeah, there are no, there are of course official borders of each country, but there is no board for nationality. I think. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 so difficult to contain Border. or even really define, in a sense. Kinga, I met um, Germans who were Polish oh. citizens but German nationals, and they declared themselves as such, I believe it was an elk. They have a whole mm -hmm. museum. There's not many of them left, but uh, when people were moved, when the borders had changed, they elected to stay put, take the new citizenship, but their heritage, of course. And I thought that must have been very interesting after the Second World War, you know, to, to be living side by side with, with Polish people when um, you're a German uh, in that land. And uh, so, but Jarek uh, clar clarified here that it's close to Ostrów Wielkopolski, and I've been there, so now now okay. I know what he's talking about. No, I... We have another we have another interesting comment. This is kind of turning into a comment show. I didn't expect that, but people are contributing some some fascinating stuff here. And with you being such an effort uh, expert, I think it's worth looking at. So, um, my grandmother was uh, DP born in. Okay, the family records were unfortunately destroyed only has four church records. Any suggestions to finding the actual documents? She was told that without the birth certificate, it's nearly impossible to obtain citizenship. So what do you think if the records yeah, were destroyed? Vowen uh, used to be of Polish territory as well before the second, like a part of it, of course, before the Second World War. And so the good information is that some part of the, the, the documentation was evacuated uh, on the turn of uh, Second World War, and they are being stored in Warsaw, yeah, like the copies of the official metrical records. Not all of them, but many of them. So we can search through, uh, and it, they're being stored in the Central Historical Archives of Poland called AGAD. Okay. Uh, and they're even available online. So uh, just you can drop me a line and I can send you the uh, link to it. But nevertheless, some of the documentation is available here in Poland. Uh, and uh, the other thing is that many of the, the documents, metrical records during 1960s, 70s, that were being microfilmed by Mormons and are being now available through my uh, through um, uh, family search uh, portal. 
So uh, you can also find uh, try to find these records in their catalog, yeah. But most definitely, most definitely, uh, I wouldn't say that if something was destroyed uh, in the particular location, like uh, there was a fire or simply some uh, the documents were stolen. Hopefully, especially as for the Roman Catholic or Greek Catholic records, there are being copies created that could have been stored now, that can be stored now in Warsaw or uh, within the Mormons uh, catalogs, uh, records catalogs, yeah. Kinga, sometimes I wonder if you realize the uh, gravity of what you do. You know, when I got in touch with you, I decided that I had to clarify my family's story because my mother almost died, you know, and it wasn't, it it was difficult to tell if she would be with us uh, much longer. So it was one of those things I wanted to clarify for her and put into perspective. This Juliana who just left a comment under our video about the burnt records, she might very well find those records thanks to your help or maybe from the advice that you just gave and become, you know, a Polish citizen as a result thanks to obtaining these records. So you have a, a really powerful impact on people's connection to their heritage, which I think is so important. Is that a motivating factor for you? Yeah, it is actually, you know, because uh, in the end, uh, it's like it's like about a little, bit, a little bit about karma, you know, when you make people happy, <laughs> it should go back. <laughs> no, but I do realize how much uh, does it mean, especially in nowadays world, uh, nowadays uh, political circumstances, to have options, for example, as for the, for a different citizenships, yeah, uh, to have option to choose whether I would like to live here or there uh, with more, uh, you know, with more um, with more advantages that the citizenship, particular citizenships give, and apart from the, uh, the putting aside the citizenship matter, uh, I do know that your family. I'm sure after. 12 years in the business now or 12 years considering that that your family history your uh, family past really impacted your identity where you are now at yeah without them you we wouldn't be sitting today and chatting and having the interview that that is for sure yeah so yes this is an important part of our lives and I am more than sure that everybody at some point of their life, someone sooner, someone later, some people sooner, some people later, they are getting to the point about asking themselves who they are. And the culture and the heritage and the history is, uh, they are crucial parts of that identity. And this is what I'm sure of, yeah. And it's important to know. It's a lovely take. And I think it's something that people need to hear in today's day and age. We have one last comment, uh, which uh, I'm trying to wrap up here. I actually have to go and pick someone up from the airport, but uh, it's so fascinating to speak with you. So this is from Tyrell, I think it's pronounced. He was born in Canada. His mother's from Poland and his father's from Jamaica. He's confirmed Polish citizenship in 2020. In 2021, he went to Poland for the first time to meet his family in Poland as well. That's so touching. So it, it just goes to show, and you really actually helped clarify some things for me that uh, it's really more about nationality than citizenship, perhaps. And citizenship can be a nice confirmation factor of that nationality. It can also, uh, you know, give you the privilege of being to live within the bounds of your motherland. And um, 
Yeah, any, any uh, last words for farewell, Kinga? Some advice for people? Uh, so one big advice, you know, many people who are coming to our office or contacting with us, they do, one, do say one thing, and that they regret that they did their history, uh, their family history, that they got interested so late that they could have done it before. And of course, like, uh, we're very, like, we're living in the circumstances when everybody's rushing for everyday life. We have to earn, we have to have so many different, uh, you know, uh, different topics that we have to cover in our everyday life. But, you know, uh, just through finding sometimes a time to, for example, to record your family, uh, your relatives, basically. Yeah, You can record some facts. You can you don't have to write that down. You don't have to fill out this family trees. Just having your own phone, uh, record uh, the fact, record facts, record the uh, information that, that the other family members know and just save it in the cloud, save it in your computer and you will come back to it one day and you will be saying thank you to yourself that you did it before. Yeah. You don't have to organize it. Just save it because our memory is very, you know, uh, scared. We fall, we sometimes think that, and many people that I spoke with think that, you know, uh, our grandmothers used to tell us so many stories and we think like we're going to remember them forever. No, we're not going to remember them forever. So it's good to save them uh, when we still uh, remember the facts, remember the details, because it will be very helpful to fulfill our need for knowing yourselves in the future. Amazing. Well, Kinga, thank you so much for taking the time today. I look forward to speaking with Carolina next about uh, how to learn Polish culture. I think it's going to be a fascinating talk. And for everyone watching right now, I would insist that if you're looking to kind of recover your Polish heritage or become Polish yourself, start looking into this. Like Kinga said, the steps are rather simple. Talk to your family in depth, interview them with genuine curiosity. Then Ancestry.com, uh, you know, my heritage services we've promoted on this channel, they can help you really start to find some basic documents, birth certificates, census records to discover where your grandparents live. But when when you make your way back to the to the motherland, especially if you don't speak Polish and definitely if you don't speak Latin, German and Russian, you have to get in touch with someone who can help guide you through the process. Uh, this was my experience. My mother took, I don't know, 15, 20 years to collect the information that she had. And it was a lot. She had to actually get documents, medical documents released by the courts. She had to um, travel for that. This was before the internet. But nothing was comparative to actually being here on the ground and with the support of professional genealogists. And so I think I've made my case. Subscribe if you would like to see our follow-up video with uh, Carolina about um, acclimating to Polish culture, and then we're going to do one more about how to receive Polish citizenship uh, through your bloodline, which should be very fascinating. Anyways, thank you all for watching, and I'll see you next time.